What's going on, everybody? This is episode number 21, and we are back, and we are back with a very special guest. And I've had all these guys come on, all these people come on, and this may be the biggest guest, in my opinion. This is the one <laughs> who actually inspired me to do this podcast because he started his own, and we were talking back and forth about how he started his. So he's the inspiration. Coach Lynn, David right Lynn, on, founder of Why Not Mentality, counselor, coach at Archbishop Britton High School, coached me in baseball uh, my senior year, which was very short, but we had a, a good amount of time together. Coach Lynn, what's happening? What is going on, man? It's a pleasure to be on. Thank you for having me. Yeah, absolutely. You're the When I started this, you're the one guy that I thought about. I said, okay, I got to pick this guy's brain. Um, <laughs> so I appreciate you coming on. Uh, first of all, I mean, we're all living abbreviated lives, it feels like. I mean, I guess it's a little bit normal than it was, say, March and April. Um, and everybody I talk to, I ask the same question. Have you picked up on anything new? And for me, you know, I always say the same thing. Oh, I've been reading a lot more. I've been trying to do homework. I've been, you know, trying to exercise as much as possible. So what have you done, kind of like a, a new hobby, per se, in, in your quarantine experience? I mean, I think one thing when I first started a Why Not Mentality um, and I was waking up at, you know, the crack of dawn and, and going to the gym and working out, a lot of that was lifting. And because of the renovation of the gym, I, I no longer have access to that. And so one thing that I've kind of picked up, which I, I usually really hate, is running. So I've either ran a mile or two around the track or I have kind of a route um, you know, from the front of Reardon down to Roxy's over past Balboa Park and right back up that hill, um, about, a, about a mile and a half. And so I've been doing that consistently probably for the past, I want to say, a couple of weeks. Um, so that's one thing that's been helping me kind of de-stress and kind of clear my mind um, with all the things that are, that are going on. So, so running long distance is my new pickup. That, that's, that's a good one for sure. Uh, so over a year ago, you started this this uh, this new venture, Why Not Mentality. Can you tell the viewers and listeners, uh, kind of tell tell them about Why Not Mentality, what's it all about, kind of a mission for them, uh, for you. What's your mission for uh, Why Not Mentality and explain what it is? You know what? It's It's funny because it's not something that I've been like stewing over for a really long time. It actually was inspired by our campus ministry director, Mr. Daytalk, um, asking me to speak to the faculty. And he, you know, his theme for the, for the previous year was stretching outside of your comfort zone. Um, he asked me as an alumni, and obviously with a lot of the different hats that I wear at Reardon, he thought it'd be a good example to kind of use me and talking to the teachers about, you know, participating in the community and doing a bunch of different things. And so, um, you know, attributed to him, he kind of forced me to like sit down and reflect and think about stuff. And for some reason, you know, it was late at night, I'm, I'm reflecting, I'm coming up with stories. And as I'm, you know, thinking about what I want to say to the faculty, this, this whole why not mentality kind of came about, like, why not get involved? Why not, you know, why not be a coach? Why not be a counselor? Why not do other things? And it kind of became like my own personal mantra. And so I spoke to the faculty. Um, they ended up asking me to speak in front of the whole school. Um, I did that. And then we created a club. And what began as kind of just accountability for myself um, 
you know, on Instagram, I created an Instagram account. I started posting things every morning, just in terms of like things that I read or quotes that I saw and wanted to share that with my students. Cause as a counselor, it's, it's pretty hard as a counselor to reach, you know, all 200 kids every day. And so I saw social media as like this forum or this uh, platform for me to be able to reach my kids without actually having to speak to them directly. And so it kind of started with that and it's slowly grown and I really don't have like a huge game plan on, on what's next. Um, but I think it's been encouraging just, just like yourself saying, Hey, it inspired me to start my own podcast and then little things that I try to like, you know, stay hip. And I, I started a little bit of a podcast. I did a bunch of Instagram video stuff. Um, so I'm slowly trying to catch up with you young, young guys and, and be cool. Um, but it's really just a, a message of positivity that I'm trying to push out through my own experiences. It's awesome. And you got the shirt too. You're rock, uh, rocking the white merch there uh, for yeah. one mentality. And uh, I got the sticker right here too. Uh, so we've got a lot of, we got a lot of white mentality merch there. So how do you deal with some of the off days? Cause I mean, this, this whole COVID-19 thing um, and not just that, some of the other stuff that's been happening in this country, it's all really, really hard to cope with sometimes. So how do you deal with those off days? Uh, especially when most of us are at home, you know, there's not a lot to do. I mean, I think the main thing, the main word there is that you do have to deal with it. And I think what happens is a lot of times uh, we try and find different escapes or we try and think of different things that uh, might substitute what makes us happy. And, and sometimes it's okay to not be okay. And, you know, for me, I try and vary up my quotes. Like, yes, there's going to be positive quotes, but some other quotes recently for myself, because it has been difficult, whether it's dealing with my three kids who, you know, might drive me nuts one morning while I'm trying to, you know, go do Zoom on kindergarten, which is a headache, right? Or, you know, um, just family stuff, wife being busy with work and juggling and balancing everything. Um, I think that's the main thing that I've kind of come out of it is like, I do have to just deal with the reality and the truths that it's not going to be easy. And I think going through these past couple of months of, of having personal time and, and the world slowing down, that you're no longer able to kind of cover up and um, zoom by life without facing some of the things that are really bothering you. I think a lot of times we get so caught up, like the pace of life has drastically changed for a lot of people, right? The fact that you can't go drive around or you can't go out to the movies or you can't, you know, just freely roam, roam about and do nothing. Um, you know, being alone and facing, you know, those feelings and those emotions, it, it's, it's a raw, difficult deal. Um, but that's, that's where, where I'm trying to like, even myself in this moment, I'm still trying to like deal with those obstacles and deal with those truths. And I think that's what I'm trying to get kids to, to, to see and to try and gain wisdom through, you know, reading or through quotes or through Bible verses or whatever it is that helps you that you do have to face them and, and you have to find a way to overcome them yourself. Um, so that's kind of just where I'm at right now. And how have the students kind of gravitated towards the why not mentality movement? I know a lot of them love it. Um, a lot of them probably don't really even know fully what it's about. So what's the reception that you've gotten from the students? I mean, a lot of messages of positivity, um, Sometimes kids just even reach out with questions. I think it's opened up a lot of doors 
uh, for students to feel comfortable. And not only students, but I have adults, you know, parents, um, friends, uh, not just the Reardon community, but just people that I'm connected or networked with uh, in general. Um, it's been a lot, a lot of positive feedback. Um, a lot of people, you know, ask me to do more. And I, I personally feel like I want to just take it at, at my own pace. I don't want to I don't want to try and become like, I, I guess in the teenage world, it's like being an influencer. I, th I think that's a lot of responsibility, you know, and, and yes, I do appreciate the fact that, you know, initially when I thought about, okay, let me go on, you know, Instagram or Twitter or um, whatever platform, like, yes, I'm going to go on there because I know kids are on there and I want to be positive, but also like, then you start dealing with like, oh, am I worrying about? what do I say? Am I saying anything wrong? Or, you know, it, be, it becomes like another job. And so for me, I'm still kind of sticking with my own like quote of the day, like something that I, I dwell on. Um, people, like you've mentioned people, I, the merch, the merch is something that the kids like, right? Kids love shirts and stickers or whatever. So that was more for like the club. Um, I've gotten a bunch of people like, Hey, you should expand and like do all sorts of things. Um, I, I, again, I, I'm taking it a day at a time and, and letting it, I think, grow organically. That's kind of, that's kind of my mentality about it, that whatever happens is going to happen through uh, the people. And, and if I, if I start focusing on things bigger than just the people that I'm serving, then I think I'm going to lose touch with why I began in the first place. Yeah, just I, I'm I'm already picturing it. Just next next spring, you know, guys are gonna roll out on the Reardon field with a why not mentality branded glove, and it, <laughs> it's gonna no, it, yeah, exactly. I like what you said about going at your own pace, um, for sure. So when did you decide? Because I mentioned that you're also a high school counselor. When did you decide to go into the field of helping people? Because I know you know for for a lot of people it's enough to help themselves. So when did you kind of decide, when was the, the life-changing moment to go in, to go down that path of helping people? You know, what's crazy is uh, Mr. Simon, for those of you guys who know, he was the RSP, director of the RSP program, and now he's the Dean of Academics, but we went to high school together. And when I was working for corporate America at this company, um, every summer I, I was a, a life team member, life standing for living and faith experience. I, I would go back in the summers to you know, help out. And it just so happened uh, this one year, Mr. Simon happened to be there and he was like, hey, it'd be great for you to come back to Reardon. And I kind of laughed at him. You know, I was, I was climbing the corporate ladder. I was driving a company car and I'm like, why would I want to go back to my alma mater and work at a high school? Um, but funny, funny story, that same summer I went uh, on a retreat and there was a speaker there um, and for some reason, the, he said a statement. He said, is God the alpha and omega in everything that you do? Meaning, is he the beginning of why you do what you do? And is he the end of why you do what you do? And I don't know why, but it hit me. And I felt like for some reason in that moment of my life, it, he wasn't. Like I lost focus. And so being at the life retreat, hearing that speaker say that, and then being reminded that Mr. Simon kind of had an open invitation, like, hey, if you want to help out in the RSP program. There's an open door. We'll figure stuff out. Um, so I took a leap of faith. I quit a pretty good paying corporate job and I decided to go back to school. Um, I know I probably scared my parents in that moment because I was helping them, you know, with income. And I was like, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to just quit and, and try and do this. And 
you know, thankfully they, they supported me. They prayed with me. They felt that if, that it was my decision. And so that, that was what kind of brought me back into counseling. So I went from the corporate world. I worked in RSP as an after-school tutor and I substitute taught for the first couple of years while I was doing grad school. And I personally just felt as a coach and, and working with students after school in the RSP program that I was really good with students one-on-one. And so that kind of drove me to pursue counseling, um, did my master's uh, at USF, and then the rest is history. I got my, my master's in school counseling, worked at Archbishop Mitty to start, and then luckily had a chance to come back to Reardon, and here I am. Yeah, you, you don't talk about the, the MIDI experience that much. That's probably a good thing. You probably want to keep that under wraps. Um, so, I, I mean, a lot of kids, I feel they're scared to see a counselor. You know, they don't know, uh, you know, what either what the reception is going to be like or they're just not comfortable speaking out to a counselor. So what is your role to kind of make them feel comfortable? Because, you know, some, some students maybe need a kick in the rear. Others need kind of some motivation. So how do you go about, you know, talking to a student one-on-one that may not be comfortable sharing stuff? I mean, I think it's, it's definitely natural for kids to, to be closed and not want to open up, especially if something's bothering them. I mean, I, I can kind of see it with my own relationship with my parents, right? And so for me, I try and think of it in a way of like, how would I want to be treated, right? And I think everybody has their own pace. Everyone has kind of like their own way of dealing with things. And there's not one right way to counsel someone. And so when I first go into a conversation, um, I, I naturally try and get a feel like, where is this student at, right? Like if I, if I open up with a question and they start pouring, pouring out what's going on with them, then okay, that's easy, right? Versus you know, if I ask a question and I just get a one word answer and you could tell like this kid is distant and doesn't want to talk, I'm not going to force the issue, but I'm going to just let them know and continue to kind of just remind them, hey, I'm here for you. And the other thing is also just say, hey, I understand where you're at. Like if you're not comfortable talking, this is kind of, you know, we're here to support you and just let me know whenever you need me. And I think that's important, too, is is. The timing doesn't have to be my timing. The timing has to be the students or whoever I'm talking to. It's their timing and their process. Um, and so I, I think that's that's probably one of the biggest issues when I talk to students and parents is that parents want to press the issue because they want to solve problems because they they naturally care for their kids and they, they want a, a quick fix. But sometimes um, fixing the problem quickly isn't the answer, you know, and so uh, again, I think it's an individual thing. You know, people all experience things differently and their truth is their truth and their reality is their reality. And it's just about, I think that's one, that's one thing that I'm pretty good at, regardless if it's an athlete, regardless if it's a musician or an actor or uh, a male or a female, like I'm a, I'm pretty patient and I, and I feel like I, I listen well. And so that's one of the most important things, right? If somebody feels heard, if someone feels understood, that's when they start opening up. Yeah, patience for sure. And and I think we saw that out of you as as players. Um, and the one thing that I could think of is when we were bunting off the, the bunting machine. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, bunting it, especially off of, I feel it's easier for me off of an actual pitcher. And the machine, it was eating some people up and it was eating me up. And the patience that you had was, was great. Um, and I think there was one time where you said, you know, if I get like three bunts down, 
then I get to go and hit. I get to go and swing away at the next station. And yeah. you still got – you could still hit. So, you know, Harlan <laughs> is not the only guy with that MVP uh, list. He's not the only guy on there. So, you got that. Oh, yeah, 19, 1999, maybe. 1999. So, how did that attribute of patience kind of build up for you? Did it take some time? Definitely. I think um, – I mean, just just from my upbringing, I, I, I had two older sisters who didn't really, like, live with my family because they lived in Taiwan. And my parents immigrated here and I was born with them here. So uh, there was a, a big period of time where our family wasn't complete. And so when they finally came over, there was a lot of turmoil, a lot of like, a lot of crazy things that happened. And um, it was difficult. It was dark. It was a trying time. But I think that's where I learned the most about myself and my family and, and how to you know, naturally, like I felt like I was trying to be that bridge between my sisters and my parents because I was with my parents the entire time. And I think that's where I learned a lot of my skills of like one, I wanted to be the peacemaker. Um, I wanted things to be okay. And I, and I felt like, you know, obviously as a younger sibling, I could talk to my sisters and obviously being with my parents the entire time, I understood what my parents, how my parents were. And so I was, I naturally liked to communicate in that way um, and be the middle person. So. Yeah, I always saw you because obviously you coached, you've coached football as well. I always saw you as kind of like the the quiet presence on the field. But if you saw something, you were not afraid to point it out. For example, you know, we'd be warming up one day and you would let us warm up. There's no interruption. And then afterwards, you'd say, that was horrible, guys. That was a horrible, you know, there's no energy at all. Um, so I always thought you as, as being a really good um, observer and then, you know, off the field, in the dugout, great guy to be around. How does that competitive switch turn on in an environment like a baseball or a football field? I mean, I think playing football, basketball, and baseball in high school, um, that counseling aspect obviously is important to me. But once you get competition in, um, I think that was what, what Reardon taught me. Because I, I went to a public school. Um, kindergarten through eighth grade I didn't even know about the WCAL um, and coming in I thought like I was like hot SHIT you know and then um, you realize in the WCAL like if you think you're a top dog you're definitely not and I think that's what taught me what competition was like I had to fail and be humbled multiple times um, and that that drove me and 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 personally, there was moments of, you know, uh, I was a sophomore on varsity and I kind of got, you know, back in the day, like not hazed horribly, but kind of hazed. And, you know, you play different schools. Um, remember one football game, you know, uh, I was fullback. One of the Sarah kids tackled me and then, you know, called me a Chinaman and just all sorts of different factors that motivated me to want to be more competitive and let people know. Um, that I don't back down. And I think that's kind of like a, a personal thing, right? Like you have different triggers, but you either, you either let people affect you and, and, and convince you that you're not good enough, or you let that be your fuel and your motivation. And that's just the type of person um, that I am, that I think that my dad instilled in me, like he used to play tennis every morning um, and was super competitive in that way. So growing up, like I, I kind of just learned, learned that from him, I guess. So I know you mentioned this in, in, you know, in terms of counseling, uh, but for baseball, 
or coaching in general. Um, I was, I, you know, I'd always been in an infield group with Vargas and Mateo. And <laughs> that's not a good matchup for me because, you know, the range that I had was nothing. Um, you know, and, and mainly, to be honest with you, and I hate to admit it, but focusing on pitching was kind of what I did. And I looked at infield as kind of a secondary thing. And it probably sh- would have gone back. I would have changed that. So can you identify when people are – uncomfortable in terms of when they're on the field playing or if they're in a position where they feel a little weird uh can you expand on on how you could see that see through it no I I definitely saw that and I think you probably felt that when I would (laughs) talk to you about your form constantly and my take on that is regardless of what uh, a player or a, a student thinks about a certain situation um I try and just at least give them the option of experiencing it because I think too many times kids just assume I can't. And it wasn't like you were, you, you were horrible. Like if you, if we needed to put you out there, like you could get the job done, but the only reason why you could get the job done is because you had to put yourself and you did those drills, right? Like, like maybe compared to other people, your footwork wasn't great, but you still improved and you still got better. And that in itself, that experience in itself and that opportunity, which is kind of tied into this whole, why not? Like, yeah, I'm a pitcher. I love it. But, but if, if you're not doing a bullpen, why not work on infield? Because if somebody gets hurt and we need somebody there, you could fill that void. Right. And so I think that's kind of just a great thing to do in life is never just pigeon your hole yourself. I guess you want to, you don't want to stretch yourself too thin, but at the same time, you will only know what you know based off of what you experience. And so if you close yourself off to things because you're just not comfortable or you feel like you're not going to be good at it, you might surprise yourself. I'm sure plenty of people, whether it's job related, whether it's sport related, whether it's just relationships, right? Like you, you won't know unless you, you put yourself out there. Yeah. And I mean, We'll see what happens in the alumni game and these alumni games coming up. Cause I mean, I, I might have to, I might have to, uh, to, uh, I don't know, come back and, and dominate over there at second base. Um, so what kind of sure. led you in? <laughs> I can't, I can't say that with a straight face. So. Uh, <laughs> what kind of led you in the sports? How did you kind of fall in love with the aspect of sports? I know everybody has their own story of, of, how they fell in love when they started watching, when they started playing. So what is your story in, in terms of sports? You know what, with, with baseball, it was uh, my dad. So when I got a Super Nintendo, my dad and I would play bases loaded. That was like the one game he would play with me. And um, yeah, like for some reason, I loved playing bases loaded with him, you know, blowing on the Nintendo game when it was <laughs> not working. And uh, I ended up, so I, I went to this school called Lawton Alternative. It was in the Sunset District and Sunset Park was about a block away. And I remember my parents telling me, you know, don't waste your time, focus on school. And I was kind of a rebel, I guess, at that time. I went to the park, got the parent sign up sheet, forged the signature and signed myself up, you know, to play park and rec. And uh, long story short, I kind of used my parents like philosophy. I was like, Hey, I committed to it. I signed up. You told me that I should never quit anything if and stay committed. And so that was like 
Sunset Baseball was the start to my baseball career. Um, I had an awesome coach. His name was Bob Lee. Um, actually played in the NFL, was an ex-Raiders quarterback. Um, he had a son at the time and just really patient, gave me a lot of confidence. I think the first time, first time we transitioned to, to hard baseballs, he accidentally threw two at me while he, we were doing batting practice. He, he, hit, he threw two at me, and for some miraculous reason, I hit both. And I was a legend after that, and then I fell in love with hitting. It was like a random kind of like I was scared. I, I hated, you know, hard baseballs. Like, I, you know, I remember feeling anxious about it. And after I, you know, he randomly threw two at me and two of them, I swung and I hit both of them for some reason. And uh, they're like, oh my gosh, Dylan's amazing. He hit two baseballs that were thrown at him. And then that, that was all the confidence that I needed. So that was kind of my start for baseball. Um, basketball, I played at, you know, we would play on the, the blacktop and we, we would count how many swats we would get on each other. And so it was just a group of friends that I was around and I honestly didn't play football until I started Reardon. Um, never played organized football, never played peewee or and a lot of kids don't. Yeah. Any of that. And then uh, my freshman year, I went to go try out and uh, I remember coach Doug Brown, he was an English teacher as well, but he saw me and I guess I was probably coachable or I listened well. And I played JV my freshman year. Um, played linebacker and just fell in love with smacking people. Like it was just the best feeling to put people on their butts. And uh, yeah, that, that's where how, how football started. I like it. And you mentioned earlier, and I want to get back to this because this is important. Um, you keep up with the trends. You keep up with <laughs> the kids today. Like I've seen you dancing on tables on TikTok. Um, so <laughs> How do you do it? How do you kind of keep up with like today's mojo, today's kind of way, like swagger? Because you have plenty of it. So how do you keep up with it? You know what? I, I think it's kind of like a Reardon thing and, and friends that I've been around. Um, this is a shout out to my one of my best friends, Eric Jermaine Culp, who's no longer with us. He was like the king of swag. And if, if I mean, people that know me, he was like Chris Tucker and I was Jackie Chan. We were we were like the dynamic duo um, when I went to USF and he probably, I was kind of like the sheltered Asian kid and he's the one who kind of got me out of the shell, was super outgoing, life for the party. Um, and when he passed, I think it was, it was probably like my, I don't know, like part of him is in me now, you know, and I, like he used to always love to talk to people. He brought people together. Um, he was always cool and hip and I think his swagger kind of dripped down to me and it's just something I think for me as a counselor I love connecting with people and you you can't connect with people if you don't understand them and I think you know obviously getting older like I, I I'm not going to try and pretend like I can really be cool but I definitely don't mind and I don't have any shame in my game right like if if TikTok is is you know, going off and I see some dance and I want to try it. Like, I don't care what people think. If I'm having fun, it keeps me young. Um, I am getting grays already, but, you know, inside of my mind and inside of my heart and even in some of the workouts, I'm still keeping up with some of these kids. So I'm going to keep going and I'm going to like the term, I'm going to ride, ride this thing till the wheels fall off. Um, so that's kind of, that's kind of where I'm at. Yeah, I've seen Reardon's doing these off-season workouts, and you're you're smack in the middle of it. 
you know, I've seen all the video. I saw one actually today. Uh, and oh, <laughs> this, yeah. the slow motion effects just make it so much better. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to wrap up here. I have three rapid fire questions for you. Okay. Sure. You can answer. Honestly, it doesn't have to be rapid fire, but that's kind of, <laughs> yeah. So okay. for whatever reason, number one, first question, for whatever reason, you have to go to the electric chair. What is your last meal? Ooh, house of prime rib. Oh, that's a good, that's a good one. King Arthur's cut. Give me some of that spinach, some of that salad with the beets that taste like bacon. Yes. Perfect. Perfect. Love it. Um, second one. What is one of the things you have on your bucket list? One of the things that I have on my bucket list, um, I really want to travel uh, to Europe because I've never been. Uh, traveling is a big thing. Like I've been to South Africa, I've been to China, um, but I've always wanted to go to Europe and experience the history and, and just see the world um, in, that, in that place. Yeah, well, so say hello to my uh, relatives down there in Italy. They'll, they'll yeah, that'd be <laughs> they awesome. don't know who I am, but but uh, <laughs> maybe they'll know soon. All right, last one. Which actor would play you in a movie about yourself? Huh. Which actor would play me? I'm trying to think. There's not a lot of Asian actors out there that can keep up with with trying to be me. Um. Well, you mentioned Jackie Chan earlier. Jackie Chan, Jackie Chan. Uh, I'm trying to think. He can't keep up. He can't keep up either. No, what's 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 that? Uh, what uh, what's his name? The 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 guy that did Magic Mike. <laughs> <laughs> what's his name? Uh I can't remember. Oh, I think I know who you're talking. Channing Tatum. Is yeah, yeah. Channing Tatum. Could okay, be okay, I can see he's, that. He's like the white version of me. I could see that. <laughs> Yeah, I could definitely see that. Coach, thank you. I appreciate you coming on. It was a lot of fun. Um, For sure. Don't worry about the grays. They're not, they're not, nobody sees them except you. So the gray hairs don't affect anything. So appreciate you coming on. Uh, You guys could follow. Oh, you want to plug yourself? How can people find you and follow you? Yeah, everything's just at why not mentality, Y-K-N-O-T mentality, Um, Instagram, Twitter, I try not to let people know that I'm on TikTok, but I guess you've busted me out. So I do have some videos with my kid and, and silly dances on there. Probably should use that a little bit more. Um, but yeah, those are, those are the things that I'm on in, in, in uh, on Anchor. I haven't, for some reason, all my Zooms that I've done haven't been able to upload on Anchor. So a lot of my uh, podcast videos I just put on IGTV. Awesome. Yeah. And again, just to reiterate, he's the guy that uh, kind of one of the one of the inspirations for RizzoCast. And of course, for RizzoCast, you could follow us on Twitter and Instagram at RizzoCast, uh, which is where this will be. I'm going to start publishing on IGTV too. That's a good way to do it. Thank you, You're guys. You're doing for an amazing listening. job, man. You're yeah, doing thank an you. I job. appreciate that. Thank you, guys, for listening, and have a great day.